0: good afternoon friends welcome to the patrick lally show on another grand and glorious day here in the best little city in america sioux falls south dakota we're going to spend some time today a couple hours really it'll go just like that and it'll be five o'clock and your workday will be over if you're listening at work or uh you know maybe your workday is just starting if you're in the service industry or what have you, or maybe you're out on a uh, job site somewhere putting in the hard hours on a rather warm and blustery day. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're going to spend some time talking about local, state, and national news and politics and, uh, you know, a little bit of some other stuff, some uh, pop culture and some uh, nature and some uh, medical stuff that you're going to enjoy. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio. Thanks for spending some time with both of us today on your radio, KSO.com or on the KSO mobile app. Remember, you can always, yeah, well, today you can't follow along on Facebook, I should say. You can follow along on Twitter at P. Lally Show, but not on Facebook because, well, I mean, let's just, let's take down the curtain here, Dan. Studio phone, not working. Drat. Not working. The Studio phone would not let me sign on to the KSOO Facebook page. For that uh, live stream,
1: you must have some gremlins in there or yeah, something.
0: I don't know. It's a very strange situation. I I could have just done it on my page, but I I panicked. Let's just say that I just panicked when the studio phone goes down, I go down. You know what?
1: The the show must go on. That's right. So <laughs> we must we must go forward as best we can.
0: Somehow we'll live without Facebook Live. Not sure how, but so we're not there today. But a lot of days you can see us on Facebook, and that's pretty cool. And uh, you know a lot of the other methods by which you can get your media uh and so we appreciate you being here and uh, you can follow along twitter p lally show and see dan's posts as we go through the proceedings uh hey last night we had uh, we revived the public input at uh, club david for the city council meeting and uh good time was had by all crowds are growing at public input at club david uh the uh City Council bingo, huge hit. Huge. You can't even believe how big that was. People are clamoring for the City Council bingo. And as we do it more and more, we're getting better at it, you see. And we're refining the City Council bingo, you know. So, like, last night, uh, there was a tie, actually. City Council bingo um, on the uh, uh, public input uh, was cut off. Somebody Well, somebody blew through the red light on, uh, on public input. And actually, it wasn't during the actual public input part of the proceedings. It was during a, a, a discussion on a, an ordinance regarding uh, those old houses that they were going to tear down. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, so the winning square was somebody ignored the timer. So that was the winner. You know, and uh, we have other squares on there. Paul Ten Haken, Mayor Ten Haken uh wears a V-neck cuz sometimes he'll come a little more casually than normal under his jacket. You've got Bruce speaks uh Bruce speaks more than once. Uh Bruce wears earbuds on camera. Those are all good. Those are all quality, solid city council bingo slots that usually are taken. Now some of the other ones are getting a little tough like uh 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 Janet Brecky says process. That used to be a given, but she's dialed it back a little bit.
1: Maybe she has gotten wind of that particular square on the bingo board. Could be. And she is becoming more conscious of
0: it. Could be. We'll have, we might have to change that. Uh, Teresa Staley brings flowers is another one.
1: Oh, man. During the summertime, that's yeah.
0: like yeah. lock stock. Yeah, and lately she hasn't been bringing flowers, so we may have to scale, get rid of that one. Uh Greg Knightsert uh uh Greg Knightsert uh, uh, says, I've researched this. <laughs> 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 that that's always a good one. Except last night, uh the the I gotta tell you, the attendance on the council, the actual council, was a little light. They barely had the quorum because I think uh They people, were at the Metallica they concert. They were at the Knightsert for sure was at the Metallica concert. Now I think who else wasn't there? There were a couple other people weren't there. And uh uh was Kylie there? I think Kylie was there. But it's... Knights definitely was gone. And, yep, yeah, it it changed the... Changed it a little bit. Because also, uh, uh, Joe Sneavy, ARC's leader reporter Joe Sneavy wasn't there. And one of the uh, uh squares is Joe Sneavy is late. So he wasn't even there. So he can't be late if he's not there. And so... That yeah
1: that up. just makes it by default
0: mm-hmm. but city <laughs> council bingo is a huge hit and there's prizes for city council bingo uh it's a last night was a 20 dollar gift certificate to club david bar tab won by uh, uh, a couple people and uh so everybody's very happy with that and and we as i said we continue to build and hopefully i think we'll be there next tuesday there's a council meeting and uh i'll be in town so that shouldn't be a problem
1: you have something along the lines of kind of a, a sergeant at arms with this thing, who is the determiner of which squares can be filled. I'm the caller. Okay, you're the caller. Very and, good.
0: And and there is some leeway there. Like, uh, you know, Mayor Tenhey makes a joke. You know, is it does it have to be funny, or is it just his? You know, so last night he did make a little joke because he made a he made a Metallica joke. So that's. That's a that's a square. Um, one of them that's always in, in up for uh, uh, interpretation is parking structure. So if somebody says parking ramp or parking, does that count? And it, for me, as the arbiter of these things, it's all about context. See, if it's in the context of a parking structure, like if they're talking about whether you know the the whole. Uh, PPP down there, the public-private partnership uh, Village on the River, and they're talking about the parking ramp there, that's a parking structure. That I will allow. But if they're saying I couldn't find a place to park, parking is bad around Town Hall. No, I'm not going to allow that because that's not a parking structure issue. So there's a lot of power that goes with this position, as you might guess. It was a good time, though. We invite everybody to come out next week. You can uh, you can always get the details. Uh, we we do Facebook events. North End Productions does uh, Facebook events for these, and uh, if you follow North End Productions on Facebook, you can you can get all the deets on that and and other stuff that's going on. But uh, particularly the the public input. Pretty happy about it. Well done, thank you. Dan. Well done, thank you, Dan. Um, <laughs> We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Wendy Giebink and John Williams of NAMI. They're going to be here to preview their statewide annual conference. That's a very important event uh, from a very important group. Scott Hudson is here for Weird Friends. Thea Miller-Ryan of the outdoor campus is coming in because it's Wednesday, and she's bringing a friend that we'll talk, and we're going to talk poaching. Poaching. So if there's any poachers out there, beware. And I'll have a p statement just after the next break. Today's topic, old houses, old houses. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 19 on the Patrick Wally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and it's time again for the p Statement, where we look through the news of the day and find the stories that upset us and make us happy, make us pout like a petulant child. And uh, today, there, well, there's a few things going on. Uh, I'm going to talk about the city council in just a minute. Um, but I noticed a, uh, um, <clears throat> a few national stories here that are quite interesting one is that uh uh household income increased in 2017 according to the census bureau uh but the, the which is i think it's the third year in a row but the interesting thing about this is that the that brings this is kind of an astounding number and when you think about the recession and uh just what it meant for um american workers and american families it it it's the the, the household median household income reached $61,372 in 2017, and that was statistically indistinguishable from where it was in 2007, according to the Census Bureau. So in 10 years, because of the Great Recession, household incomes dropped and have been working the way back up and are finally back to the same median that they were 10 years ago. Uh, think about that for just a second. And for a lot of us, uh, you know, out here in South Dakota, we were not hit as hard by the recession as other places. Um, And and our our incomes did not suffer to that degree. But think about that for the country. And uh, this is from the New York Times. The numbers released on Wednesday show that the American middle class suffered a lost decade in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. A lost decade. Uh, But the gains have not been equally felt, and the numbers reveal a sharp divergence between the wealthiest Americans and everyone else. The n- incomes come as the nation's most affluent households have climbed sharply since the crisis, driven largely by investment gains. The Census Bureau said income in- inequality did not rise significantly last year. But th- what's interesting about this, and I've seen this in some other stories today, is that it uh, uh, more a uh, higher proportion of family income comes from investment now than before, and so... What that says is that those folks who are not investors uh, in terms of uh, how they get the income, whether it's just straight up stock investment or mutual funds or 401ks, all these different things that we invest in as part of our lives, a, you know a huge proportion of our population doesn't have any of that. And their incomes have not recovered to the degree that everybody else has because the stock market is so high. So is that real wealth or not real wealth? and that's really the question and and it's kind of i mean it's it's disturbing i i think um, 12.3% of american households lived in poverty in 2017 that's actually down which is good which is good there so there i mean there's good news in here but just that just the fact that uh, it it taken 10 years to get back to the same median income i think is astounding yeah i just wanted to point that out oh and this uh youth E-cigarette use reached epidemic proportion, according to the FDA, and uh, they're they're cracking down on the uh, e-cigarette people and saying if they don't do something about selling to kids, they're going to be in deep doo-doo. They have to stop selling e-cigarettes to kids. I, you know, they're just not taking it seriously. Um, I think that's good. I, you know, I, I understand the e-cigarette thing, you know? I... I understand people, adults who see it as a way to quit smoking and that's probably good. I don't know. Um, But e-cigarettes are, as, uh, as the story says, hooking teenagers who have never smoked on nicotine. So, you know, there's a potent huge potential downside from e-cigarettes and I, they, they concern me. I, I'm glad I don't use them. Let's just say that. Uh, Interesting thing from the council last night and I just uh I've talked about this issue before and I wanted to return to it briefly and I haven't seen any stories about it yet but that doesn't mean they're not coming. Um so you remember the whole controversy over uh the developer who wanted to tear down four houses on Dakota Avenue between 18th and 19th uh and clear off essentially clear off that block between Minnesota to Dakota 18th and 19th and you know doesn't have any real uh, firm tenant for that yet but uh you know it could be could be anything right and so last night and you you'll recall that the city council said that they couldn't tear down those houses and because uh it's a historic neighborhood it's been designated as a a historic neighborhood the sherman the famed sherman neighborhood um and So last night, Mark Meyer Henry, former Attorney General Mark Meyer Henry, currently uh, uh, of the Meyer Henry and Meyer Henry law firm, uh, showed up at council and basically brought uh, uh, some evidence uh, suggesting that um, state law does not allow them to do that. And that according to a Supreme Court decision in the case Donovan versus City of Deadwood. Uh, he says clearly stated that a city has no government power to prohibit a property owner from demolishing its property in a historic district. Um, it's uh, it's interesting. So what he's saying is that this essentially and I, I listened to his uh, uh, discussion last night when I was at public input and I maybe didn't catch all of it because you know it's a it's a good uh it's an interesting legal issue and there was some back and forth with the city attorney's office and uh, you can easily get lost in that conversation but um you know i i this is a very interesting um development uh, obviously Mr. Meyer Henry is a reputable attorney in the city of Sioux Falls and if the city has overstepped their bounds on this one what does that mean for the Well, it probably doesn't mean anything for the the McKinnon House because that wasn't about about tearing down. That was about building up. But it does raise the question of the power of some of these historic districts and uh, just what exactly that means. Because it does seem a little bit like an overreach to me. Um, And whether or not the gentleman who bought those houses uh, or owned them before did his due diligence in putting them on the market so that somebody else could buy and rehab them. That's a legit question. And I understand that. But in the end, um, you know, they're dilapidated now and uh, whether or not there's something there to save, I don't know. My other concerns, as I stated before, about the use of that. And I think the city has a lot to say about what you can put in a place like that. But the fact that he wants to tear down the houses uh, and the city may have overstepped their bounds in terms of turning down his Request for a permit. We will watch that very closely. That's the bottom line in today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me. You can reach me patrick at KSO.com via email and on the Twitter at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We're gonna chat with Scott Hudson. He's uh he's got a he's got an issue with uh, this Norm McDonald controversy, and we're gonna get into that. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO. 3, 4, 3.35 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and the replacements must... The lips, they are not working today. The replacements must mean that we have Scott Hudson on the line, which of course we do. Uh, oh, geez. Scott, how are you?
2: I'm good. Having a good day?
0: Uh, no, I'm not. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I am stumbling all over myself for reasons I can't quite figure out, but uh, I'm going to, uh, you know... Soldier on, as they say, um uh, hey, uh first of all, before we get into uh our conversation today, I was looking at your Twitter account uh a little earlier today. Your at Paul is dead. You realize yeah. you're coming up on fifty thousand tweets
2: I think my other account's coming up to a hundred thousand, so I'm not that surprised.
0: My God, that's a lot of twittering.
2: <laughs> I have no life, everybody knows that.
0: I was, I, I was just, you know, was looking. I'm like, what? Fi- Whoa, that is a lot of tweets. Uh, kudos, uh, social king of social media, Scott Hudson is with us today.
2: Yeah, that's me. That's um, me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> At one point, we were calling you the king of all media, weren't we? I, something like that.
2: No, um, yeah. What was so, it? I have it, it recorded somewhere. Yeah, we'll have to get that. Out. that
0: yeah. Uh, so, hey, here's what I want to ask you about. So, a couple days ago, I think it was maybe yesterday. Uh, this uh, this uh, interview came out with Norm, Norm McDonald, the old Saturday Night Live guy, and yeah. and everybody uh, and you brought this to with my attention. Everybody is just upset. They're very upset with Norm for. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, do, I I I know that. Look, I don't belong to either the left or the right. So, and I know that there are certain people that think I belong to one or the other because of things I've said on this show before. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example of how I don't relate to either side because there is this gotcha mentality now mm-hmm. that any time a celebrity says anything, they want to go after them, and they want to kill their career, and they want, they want them to disappear from the face of the earth. And Norm MacDonald has been around for 30 years, you know, in the public eye. hmm and over the years, he's had a lot of great gigs. He's, he's he, you know, he's basically known every comedian there is. He worked on the Roseanne show for years and years. And so in this interview, and he's a straight shooting kind of guy. You ask him a question, he's going to answer it. And, and he commented about how when Roseanne got in trouble, which she should have gotten in trouble, he, as a friend, said, hey, call Louis C.K., because yeah. Louis C.K. has gone through a similar thing as you. He was, befriend, he, was, he was helping out a friend. He wasn't saying, Roseanne, what you said was fine. I don't have a problem with it. He, w- he was saying, look, as a friend of both of you, you have something in common here. Uh, you know, call him or call her, whichever direction it went. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, you know, I-, I would expect if you got in trouble, I would stand up for you, you know. If I got in trouble, I would expect you and a handful of other people. I mean, that's what friends do. Yeah, you don't condone what they do or say, but you still are their friend.
0: Yeah, you shouldn't. All your history shouldn't go away because somebody makes a mistake. Yeah, that, that's how you tell who your real friends are. <laughs> you know oh, what yeah, I mean? Most,
2: most definitely, most definitely. And and uh, in both those cases. Uh, they did find out who their friends really are,
0: yes, and they they don't have many apparently um, <laughs> the uh uh it, it is interesting as i and as I read his actual quote okay, so there was it was with the Hollywood reporter, all right, yeah, and what he said it, it's kind of shocking that it's this bad, so he he did that, and then they got into this whole me too thing and and he said uh he has ch- ch- he's happy that the Me Too movement has, quote, slowed down a little bit. And, and I'm reading this thing in the New York Post. This column is pretty good. Without any context, the quote, one endlessly looping through social media sounds unsympathetic. But what Donald went on to say was, it used to be 100 women can't be lying. And then it became one woman can't lie. And that became, I believe yeah. all women. And then you're like, what? So yeah. that's, as this person it, 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 points it, out, he didn't say Harvey Wein- Weinstein got a raw deal.
2: No, <laughs> no, know. no. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of of where this all can go off the rails. Um, the U.K. has their own version of Big Brother, too. And they also have their own version of Celebrity Big Brother, which I don't, which just ended. And I don't know who, Kirsty Alley was on it, but I don't know what? who he, 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 yeah. Um, but there was an incident where this woman who was an actress was approached by another actor, and they were kind of like goofing around, and he was like play air punching. You know, nothing, nothing, you know, violent, mm-hmm. nothing even approaching a menacing kind of thing. It was just kind of like a shadow boxing thing that you do, you might do in front of a friend. Well, she went in and complained, and uh, she wanted him kicked out. She didn't feel safe around him, even though while it happened, because you have the footage, while it happened, they were goofing around after it was over. And so, thankfully, in this case, it was in an environment where it's 24-7 cameras. Right. And the entire country of the, of England now despises this woman for trying to ruin this guy's career.
0: That's that You don't see pushback like that very often. <laughs>
2: yeah, and it was really interesting to watch how it all came down because when she... Started going around to pe- the other guys and telling them this story, they were like, "Oh yeah, oh my God, what an oh," I, well, you know. They were like, they wanted to go beat the guy up, but then one of them kind of goes, "Wait, if that actually happened, he would have been booted off the show." Mm-hmm. They yeah. started thinking about it. It was it was really interesting how that arc of under of misunderstanding and understanding occurred in that and look 99 out of 100 cases yes the the woman is definitely doing what she should do but there are those cases when it's not really what they are saying there are ulterior motives whether
0: it's men it doesn't matter if it's men women whatever people say things for their own self-interest
2: Exactly, boy. We went really off on a the tangent. There, That's
0: okay, but this this thing with McDonald, it, he did apologize to uh, on Twitter, but he got booted off the Tonight Show last night. And, yeah, yeah. And you know he's got a new series coming out. He's got a lot to lose. Um, but he he said that uh, he was expressing empathy for uh, Louis C.K. and Roseanne Barr, who he said were offered quote no forgiveness. Uh, even after admitting wrongdoing and then apologizing. And he has this quote, and it's not a great quote. There are very few people who have gone through what they have, losing everything in a day. Of course, people will go, what about the victims? But you know what? The victims didn't have to go through all that. And he's come back and said that what he said about victims was not good. He should not right, have said right. that. And, and, that's, and that's fine. And then he was on Stern saying, I just can't do these interviews because they ask you questions, I answer them. You know, and I'm stupid, and I get myself in right, trouble. Right, right. <laughs> you and, know?
2: And, you know, and that, that, that's the thing. When you are, you know, you and I, we've made a career out of doing interviews. Yeah. You know, they're not, they don't have a handbook. And When we ask them a question, we hope they don't have a handbook in front of them right. that tells them exactly how they should answer. And at some point, almost anyone who's interviewed a lot is going to say something maybe they regret, not necessarily that extreme, mm-hmm. but I know that I've, I've I've gone off the air with you and said, oh, you know, <laughs> you know ouch, I, you know, um, and and I, you know I've talked to you before about our big brother here, mm-hmm. where you know, again the twenty four seven cams, somebody says something that they didn't really mean and it gets turned into this and. And so, suddenly they're fired from their jobs in real life when they get out of the, off the show, and I I just find that also scary. I would rather I would rather we don't have these kind of knee jerk reactions. Yeah. Now in the case of Roseanne, okay, yeah, yeah, what she said was horrible. She should have been fired. Lucy C.K. the actions that he did,
0: well, his actions, his yeah that, and and Harvey Weinstein and and uh, Harvey was in prison. Yeah, a, yeah, he's going to jail. Uh, yeah. And that's and that's fine, but there is a line. There is a line. Yeah. And if, if somebody like Norm MacDonald gets in trouble, loses his career over something like this, uh, which he probably won't, but if for, it did... Yeah, for
2: something off the yeah, cuff.
0: Yeah, that's not, that's not good. There's this, this lead on this column, and I don't read the New York Post very often, but it's pretty good. It said, uh, who cares what Norm MacDonald thinks? Asked Esquire, Esquire Magazine the other day. Well, I do, and I mostly care because he's not one of those lock-stepping, milquetoast celebrities I do my best best to avoid reading about in magazines like Esquire. And that's the point, right? I mean... Right. He's, that's
2: why we like him. That's that, why we like him. Yes. Uh, especially comedians. We like comedians who are fearless.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's what's supposed to be part of it. Um, you know, when a comedian goes too far and it becomes just, you know, preaching... right if you're not able to point out the absurdity of life uh and you're just you know trying to make some weird point then it's not comedy anymore you know then, exactly. it's, gone, then it's gone too far and you see that you know
2: yeah oh yeah i mean we i mean the the, the guy from seinfeld who ran it you know oh yeah yelled yelled the n-word numerous times in a comedy
0: club yeah uh yeah he, he was, was just on They go uh, walk uh, Kramer, uh Dance. Michael Richards. Michael Richards. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I always look at Dan whenever I get bland, He comes right up with it. He <laughs> was on uh, Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee uh, this season, I think. And he's talking about that. Oh, it's very interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine what. I mean, it is It is always interesting years later after a scandal to read their take of what actually mm-hmm. happened, you know, as opposed to uh, the, the, the tabloid version.
0: Yeah, And, you know, sometimes... Uh, people are in. I think with uh, Richards, he was in a very bad place. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you no, know? and he basically had uh, he lost. You know, his career went in the toilet. But he had a, essentially a nervous. I don't but know. But he, he has Seinfeld money. he'll be okay. You know, yes. I'm not worried about him uh, putting groceries in the table in the fridge. Right, right. Know? But right. it's uh It's just a kind of a. It's a strange thing. Uh, fame is. Uh, an odd, odd aspect of our culture, you know.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Especially these days. Uh,
0: hey, uh, you want to talk? The... Some... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go you ahead. Know, I was just gonna say you want to talk some music. Sure. Cool. We're gonna come right back and talk more with Scott Hudson on Weird Friends. We'll get some music. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. All right <laughs> you. 350 on the Patrick Lally Show, information 1000 KSOO, and we return to our conversation with Scott Hudson and Weird Friends. Hey, uh, first off, Scott, did uh, did you go catch the big Metallica concert last night, or is all the rage?
2: It's safe to say, no, I did not.
0: Yes, I thought that might be the answer. <laughs> now, I didn't go either, and... I, uh, I
2: have a lot of... Re- no, don't get me wrong. I do have a lot of respect for Metallica. It's just... They're not my thing.
0: No, and people love them, and, you know, and they're a good band. I Again, I got nothing oh, against definitely. them. Oh, definitely they're they're very good, there's some songs I actually, like, but it's just again, not my thing, uh and also big shows like that, not my thing, but it was a social event, a lot of selfies, a lot of yeah, selfies coming I saw out of the quite
2: them. a few selfies of my friends, some of them kind of surprised me, I would have and never expected two. them to go to it, but you know more power to
0: them one named Phil uh yeah one named Phil, <laughs> but that's you know he seemed to enjoy himself, so that's fine, and uh uh it uh. It's everybody by all accounts. It was a it was a good show, good musically, good theatrically. Apparently, they had quite the quite the uh, set and such. So,
2: oh, good. I hope they didn't try that Prince cover again because they uh, they had a gimmick that they were doing a cover of a local artist and oh, really? And they tried to do when doves cry. Mm. <laughs> it was, it was kind of ugly. Uh, don't do that.
0: Um, yeah, but. Uh, did you bring, uh, enough about Metallica, did you bring me a uh, Hudson's Hot Pick of the Week? I need some new music.
2: Yes, I do have one. Uh, There is a band called Spiritualized. It's led by, it's really a one-man project, Jason uh, Pierce. Uh, He was originally in uh, Spaceman 3 back in the late 80s. Uh, When that group broke up, he formed Spiritualized. Uh, Last week, he put out his first record in six years. Um, This is one of those weird genius kind of guys kind of like kind of like the brian jones town massacre guy
0: i don't know that man
2: <laughs> oh okay okay uh, I, anyway he's, he's like a studio genius but he takes forever to make a record and uh, these records they're they they do not sound super produced they actually sound kind of lo-fi but they are like super produced it's, uh, <laughs> i mean
0: i, I saw he, it uh, described as a uh, uh, english space rock
2: yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty accurate in a simplistic way, Yes, yeah. And um, I, how Brian do you describe Brian Lovro turned me on to them years ago, back in the early November days.
0: Who was that? Who did? Brian Lovro? Ah, got it. And so they've been around since 1990. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's impressive.
2: So yeah, yeah. why uh, do you like this but, record? You know, it, 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 I know in some respects it doesn't fit into my little garage band category. Mm-hmm um but he's very inventive um just the the structure of the songs the 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 backing you know the or some of it's even kind of orchestrated which you know you don't see a lot in my Mm -hmm. kind of rock and roll (laughs) i I don't know there's something about it um I, i know a few other people dan at total drag this is his favorite band Um, And he probably can't understand, he probably can't describe why either.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe that's the sign of why it's good. You can't, you uh, can't, yeah, true. Sometimes you just like stuff because you like it.
2: Yes. By the way, yep, uh, my big brother count 97,346
0: tweets. Oh
2: my god. So combined I have like 150,000.
0: <laughs> oh my god. That has to be you have to be in the pantheon of Twitter at this point. And all none of those are like, you know, scheduled tweet. They're all just in, in no, real real time. Not a scheduled tweet in my life. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh Scott Hudson, uh he comes on Wednesdays, most Wednesdays talk about pop culture, music and whatever we can think of. Uh Scott, thanks a lot. Thank you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters at the top of the hour, we are going to chat with Thea Miller-Ryan, who will be here. And uh, she is bringing a friend uh, whose name is, I'm sorry, I have it right in front of me, Jeremy Rakowitz. He's District Conservation Officer Supervisor. We're going to talk about poaching. Poaching is bad. See, this is the Patrick Lally Show Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat about poaching with the female Ryan of the outdoor campus on the Information 1000 KSOO.
3: 407
0: on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And... as we do a lot of Wednesdays now, because we we moved her from Friday. She used to be a, a sort of a staple on Fridays. Now Girl we're on Wednesday. Girl Friday, right? Girl Friday. Now <laughs> your Girl Wednesday. Thea Miller Ryan. She's the ex- uh, executive director of the Outdoor Campus. And she hello. Al- hello. You always bring friends.
4: I do. I have a lot of friends. You right?
0: have a lot of friends, <laughs> and they all work for the Game Fish and Parks Department. As it turns, most out.
4: most of them, yeah. Uh, and today <laughs>
0: it's uh, Jeremy Rockwitz. He is the District Conservation Officer Supervisor. Uh, and we're going to talk to Jeremy about a lot of things, but uh, we'll get into it. Jeremy, thanks for being here. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Um, and I think I think it's fair to say that you're the first guest I've ever had that came armed.
3: Well, that, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's an honor or not. Well,
0: but the, and I bring that up only to say um, what you do, a district conservation officer, sounds kind of like you're out there digging in the soil, but you're not. You're, you're, a, you're a law enforcement agent.
3: We are, yeah. We're certified law enforcement, so the, the conservation officers are game wardens that you see out in the field. They're, they're certified law enforcement officers. They go through the same academy as uh, the Sioux Falls Police Department or the Sheriff's Office, and uh, we try and gear everything towards game and fish type violations, but we get into a lot of other things, drunk driving, uh, uh, warrants and arrests, and uh, a lot of our guys close to Sioux Falls are getting a lot of meth arrests and felony drug arrests. So uh, we're right out there in the sticks uh, finding it just, just as everybody else.
0: So this is if if an officer, a conservation officer, runs across criminal activity of any sort on state land, GF&P land that they would be on, they're responsible for enforcing that law?
3: Absolutely. State land or private lands. Uh, well, we have jurisdiction uh, off of state land as well on, on, on public and private lands.
0: Interesting. So, uh, and on on the waters too, right?
3: Absolutely. We do all the uh, the boating enforcement on um on the public waters, the rivers and the streams and the lakes across the state.
0: Well, that's a lot of work.
3: Uh, it's uh it's a great job.
0: Yeah. How many conservation officers are there? Uh, s- field
3: officers is probably about sixty five mm. statewide. So there's not a maybe seventy. There's not yeah. a lot of us around, mm. but uh, we're spread spread kind of thin.
0: Uh, why did you? Uh, want to? Uh, did you ever want to be a cop, cop? Um, you know, or, you know. I also always like? wanted
3: to get into law enforcement. When I was younger, I had uh, uh, I was born and raised in Central Iowa, and so I, I knew the the conservation officer there, and I, ha- I had a uh, an interest in law enforcement and a love for the outdoors, and so it was kind of natural for me just to combine the two and uh, work towards getting this this uh, career.
0: Where did you grow up in Iowa?
3: Marshalltown, Iowa.
0: Ah, sure. I got lost in Marshalltown once, which is hard to do. It's
3: hard to do in that that city. Up, I was driving
0: up. at night. I was trying to get to uh, Cedar Falls. Yeah. And somehow I ended up on a, honestly a dead end road in Marshalltown. Just going. I have no idea. <laughs> Before phones, okay, you couldn't just hey Siri, how do I get through Marshalltown? Right, didn't exist. Just Lovely follow thing.
4: those corn rows of corn Can't out of town, Jesus right? Town Marshall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that your the, Siri? <laughs> my
0: Siri just came on. I'm, I now have. I have South on South Lane. all right, right yeah okay and minutes. you're on your five-hour trip <laughs> to Marshalltown yeah. yeah now I do know how to get to Marshalltown yeah. that's funny I heard a B but I'm like wait a minute
4: it's gonna give me direction
0: <laughs> that's a first um <laughs> Sorry about that, Jeremy. That's we're a professional show here. These hey, things aren't supposed to happen.
3: No, no worries on my end.
0: So you're a supervisor. Uh, so you guys are out there uh, enforcing uh, all the conservation laws, uh, uh, hunting limits, that sort of thing. But one of the big problems you have is poaching.
3: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, as a supervisor, I'm in charge of the the field officers, the the conservation officers. From you know, my portion is from Sioux Falls up to Brookings and over to Kingsbury County, Lake Preston to Smith, and then back around. So yes.
0: Now, and you guys get uh, some pushback out there. There are certain segments of the population that are not fond of uh, uh, game wardens for lack of a better term
3: yeah we've been uh, um, we get called some colorful things sometimes you know we we primarily work alone um, you know a lot of other law enforcement agencies have um, backup or close close offices around where we work alone a lot out in the off the trails and off the beaten path a lot to, to checking licenses and bag limits and uh, when it comes to violations and actually writing tickets and, and seizing game and seizing firearms and things like that, taking that away from people, it, they can get pretty uh pretty upset.
0: It can be dangerous.
3: It absolutely can be, yes.
0: Uh, I don't think I would want to be out there trying to take somebody's uh, guns away from them.
3: Well, you know, it, it we get a lot of training. Actually, we do quite a bit of training when, when people think of game wardens, they think of the, the good old boy that mm-hmm. – uh, Uh, is out there counting pheasants and things like that and we do that but uh, we have a lot of training for self-defense and firearms training and how to talk to people Um, you know because we're working not just during the day but we work 24 hours a day seven days a week and we we make stops at night at two in the morning for people that are poaching deer at night and you know that are drunk or or high on meth or something like that so you never know what we run into.
0: How much deer poaching and that seems to be one of the big ones um, in terms of people just killing animals indiscriminately or for whatever reason um how much deer poaching is there in south dakota
3: you know it it i would like to say that it's not overly prevalent um but you know every year it seems like the numbers get more and more there's more and more um uh, people that get caught doing it, more and more information coming in, more and more tips that we get from the general public that say, hey, so-and-so is doing this. Can you check them out? So, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's it's uh, it's a job security for a conservation officer just, it, just because mm-hmm. there is so many people out there that are taking advantage of, you know, the wildlife and taking advantage of the laws and regulations and doing things unlawful.
0: So why do people poach?
3: You know, that's a good question. Um, it uh, everybody's different. Uh, it could be either a social type of thing. It could be uh, people want to show those pictures of all those big walleyes that they catch and don't want to throw anything back, or that uh, big deer with the big giant antlers, and and uh, they just want to bend the rules. It's 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 much easier if you don't if you don't abide by the rules to uh, to take these critters than it is if uh, you do it however you want whenever you want um, you know just for example spotlighting a deer at night um,
0: uh, this is something I've never understood okay so people go out in a in a truck pickup yes. and with a big spotlight and if you if you get the spotlight on the deer it freezes them essentially right it does
3: it does yeah um, and then they shoot them right and then they, Ooh, good then times. then it's the mighty hunter and they they post it all over Facebook and social media and look look with you know that I that I killed and yeah. people
0: yeah. are not bright either are they not
3: usually um, <laughs> you know there there are a lot of people out there that uh, will stay away from those things and they know that if they they put yeah. stuff out there they get in trouble
0: for yeah. it yeah it's the bad it's the stupid guys you catch easy right yes that's uh, so but some of them are I don't know there's another level of of poacher beyond drunk guys doing dumb things absolutely there is and there was a there was a case that was announced just this week that i know is in the court system so you're not going to talk very much about it, which is fine but the numbers are astounding
3: yeah we uh we had a we i guess i can say a little bit about it the you know last fall october november time frame we had several um deer carcasses headless deer carcasses that were showing up uh from from uh, Minnea county all the way up into kingsbury county lake thompson and uh uh, long story short, uh, it took a lot of man hours and a lot of investigation, and uh, we did end up catching the individual. And, and through the investigation and uh, DNA, and we matched up a lot of things, and we ended up charging him uh, with 45 counts of uh, unlawful, you know, taking deer bucks without a license. So he's... He's been killing a lot of deer, and this was just this was a three-year span. So he's been killing a lot of deer under the radar without licenses and at night.
0: And why? What was he trying to do here? I don't get it.
3: Well, um, we're not really sure. Uh, he was collecting the racks, so everything was staying the, the whole body, the carcass, everything was rotting in the field, and he would just take the heads, and that was his trophy—just the, the deer antlers.
0: Do you sell those, or what,
3: I mean, what you can? The- people do that, absolutely. In this case, there it was. He wasn't. He had them all in, in one location. Yeah.
0: That's a little weird. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but I suppose you, I think you got to be a little weird to...
3: See a lot of things out there.
0: Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But we should probably give people, uh, there is a TIPS line. There is. Uh, and we're going to talk about it again later. But uh, what is the TIPS line if people know something that they want to relay?
3: Right. Um, there's there's several ways to report a TIPS violation if you're in the field and you see something. Whether it's hunting, fishing, trapping related or whatever, you can, uh, there's an 800 number. It's one eight eight one eight 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 over overbag or six eight three seven two two four you can also um, go online um, and report violations online with the South Dakota game and fish website the tips website there uh, Facebook also has a, a game and fish tips web uh, site that you mm-hmm. can go on and report or you can call a conservation officer directly our, our numbers are, are published in the in the handbooks and uh, a lot of times you can you can talk to an officer right away if you call them but uh, the best way to do it is, is to call that 800 number mm-hmm. uh, just because it goes to our dispatch um, and they can get hold of us wherever we're at at any time.
0: Uh, we will put that information up on our Twitter feed at P. Alley Show so you can get it. Um, and we're going to come right back and talk more with Theomilla Ryan from the outdoor campus and Jeremy Rockowitz. Of, he is a district conservation officer supervisor for the game fish and parks department. He's got a really big business card. Get all that on there. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 421 on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo and we are chatting in the studio with the amila ryan of the outdoor campus and jeremy rockowitz he is the district conservation officer supervisor with the game fish and parks department and we're talking poaching uh we talked about a case jeremy uh before the break uh a gentleman who is charged with uh Many, many counts, a few dozen counts of uh, poaching deer. But theres I I have in my hand the uh, Hunting and Trapping Handbook 2018 that you handed me. I don't carry this around with me, just for full disclosure. I do. (laughs) I I figured you did. And on the back is uh, an ad essentially for the poaching, uh, turn in poachers, tip line. And um, there's a case here where nine deer and three mountain lions illegally taken by two individuals in the Black Hills Uh, state and federal charges, unlawful possession, baiting, shooting, big game at night during closed season, no license and federal weapons violation, $15,000 in fine, 26,000 in civil damages, uh, 12 year loss of hunting privileges, eight months in prison. That's a, that's a serious case.
3: That's a big case. And you know what, those all, those cases like that stem from somebody that wants to make, uh, you know, a free phone call and just say, Hey, this isn't right. And can you guys take a look at this and see if what's going on?
0: So we were talking about why people poach. Um, this is particularly odd because these guys were poaching mountain lions, um, right. and did, did you say they were using the deer as bait and all yes. these different things? Yep. Uh, if you you caught them or the, they were caught with three mountain lions, why would somebody poach a mountain lion? What what can you do with that?
3: Well, they're trophies. They're trophies in most hunters' uh, eyes, and so uh, when somebody takes a mountain line usually it's a full body mount uh and they put it in their house somewhere so it's it's a bragging type thing too sometimes so that's primarily what that case was about
4: and patrick you can eat them (laughs) that's (laughs) always how does it taste
0: (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) tastes like kitty (laughs) tastes like oh come on now (laughs) now thea's gone too far um (laughs) always the uh, but the so they stuff them they stuff them and sell them
3: um you know there's not a whole lot of sometimes people might sell them but it's it's more of a um they want them from themselves it's a trophy they want to put it up and display it and talk about it and and show people yeah. that, uh, what they've done what you know
0: and in the photo here it looks like they've uh uh tanned some hides as yep. well absolutely i you know how many mountain lions do you think we have in the state of south Dakota these days
3: boy i couldn't tell you i couldn't it but it's grow no, still growing it's growing yeah
0: um, the season has been successful.
3: It has been, yep. It's been it's controlled the numbers and uh, it's done what it was intended to do when it started years ago.
0: Then why would people need to go out and I don't I don't. It just blows my mind. So they're going out there at night and using uh, technology to track the animals. They're not even, they're not even
3: hunting. It's not hunting at all, no. And, you know, with this case we talked about with the multiple deer and, and this, this one here on the back of the handbook, it's, these aren't, these aren't hunters. These are, these are killers. They're poachers. You know, there's, there's a name for it. And, you know, the, the hunters out there, the, the true hunters, 99% of the population that hunt, this is, turns their stomach, you know, and they just don't agree with this. And it's, it's maddening for them. So you, you really can't even call these, these people hunters.
0: Uh, and there are there do you find that there are people out there too who just want to kill things
3: oh absolutely there's uh there is uh there are people out there that uh, they just live for uh, that's what they just like to do. They just like to go out and shoot things and and the more the better
0: mm, that's a strange strange outlook on life uh, let's uh go through the numbers here one more time one eight 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 over bag is the 800 number for turn-in poachers. That's 888-683-7224. You can go to tips.sd.gov. Uh, you can just call your local conservation officer, get online. Uh, if you see anything, if you see something, say something, as we like to say, Absolutely, right? yep. Uh, Jeremy Rockowitz, he's District Conservation Officer Supervisor for the Game Fish and Parks in this part of the state. Thea Miller-Ryan, she's been here the entire time, and she's been remarkably
4: hear a few Quiet. giggles in the background. That's yes. kind of what I do. And, uh,
0: uh, Thea, <laughs> we hope you're, you're coming back next Wednesday, right?
4: Uh, yeah, okay. I, I hope so. Good. Thanks. Good.
0: <laughs> uh, and br- you're going to bring some friends?
4: I'll bring a friend, uh, at least good. one.
0: They're always good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> always I appreciate a good conversation. your time. uh Thanks. We'll be right back with uh, after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We're going to talk with Wendy Giebink and John Williams of NAMI, South Dakota, about the big state conference they have coming up. That's all next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information
3: 1000 KSOO. 434
0: on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I am quite pleased to have in the studio with me for the final half an hour of today's show, Wendy Gebink, she is Executive Director for NAMI South Dakota, and Marilyn Charging, who is Education and Outreach Coordinator for the same organization that is the National Alliance on Mental Illness State Chapter. Uh, Wendy and Marilyn, thanks a lot for being with us today. I appreciate it.
5: Thank Thank you. Thanks for inviting us.
0: So um, let's uh, let's get right to the event you have coming up, which is your uh, big uh, annual conference, and that is coming up t- uh, September 27 and 28 in Watertown.
5: Correct. And,
0: uh, Wendy, uh, what's going to happen at this conference, and why should uh, the Everyday Average, it's not just you and a bunch of uh,
5: right.
0: uh, academics hanging out no. <laughs>
5: No. Well, there are some academics there, but I'm not one of them. Uh, Patrick, the conference is something we do every year, and it's it's our biggest educational event of the year. We move the conference to a different location every year. So mm-hmm. this year it's in Watertown. And we invite people, um, like you said, the general public. Anyone can come and spend uh, two days learning about mental health conditions and you know everything from how we can... Uh, incorporate wellness into our daily lives, all the way to um, genetic research in psychiatric illnesses. So there's a whole spectrum of of good things to learn about. We've got um, just some some fantastic national speakers coming, and we have some uh, local and regional professionals uh, presenting to us as well. So um, family members, friends, people that want to learn more about mental health conditions, people who are living with mental health conditions, um, and professionals in the field who might be interested in you know broadening their knowledge a little bit, maybe getting some c e u s uh in the mix too um it's it 's a very enjoyable conference it's it 's a very positive upbeat you learn a lot and uh, we feed you well too <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that always helps right um the uh in terms of of uh, making progress we ha we are seeing some actual uh some really quality progress in the treatment of mental illness not uh um, particularly over the arc of time here the last few decades but even recently they're just the, the 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 efforts and the progress that's being made in terms of treating people uh with mental illnesses has been impressive the but has our uh attitudes our public attitudes our broader attitudes toward mental illness changed at all in the last 30 years?
5: Yeah, I think Marilyn and I could probably both speak to that. I've seen it because um, I've been um, living with family members who deal with mental health conditions for more than 30 years and just watching how things used to be compared to how they are now and how our family is so much more able to talk about mental illnesses just like any other illness. Um, my grandchildren now, it's just—it's not, not a big deal to them to talk about depression. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a normal, everyday topic. They're not ashamed. There's no stigma attached for for them as, as young people. Um, you know, you get a little bit, uh, some of us who are older, um, we might be, still be hanging on to some of those old attitudes, but um, I've just really watched a um, kind of a blossoming of that understanding. Uh, for people over the last few years. And then the more we talk about it in public and celebrities come out and talk mm-hmm. about their mental health conditions, then people become more comfortable in that. And Marilyn, yeah. you've been sure. we're
4: in a lot of school districts sure. over the years too. And I think the key to a lot of this is just education. Yeah. We're constantly um, making sure that if there's an opportunity to educate when we're visiting with someone, talking. For example, just today I think this has been – it's going to be very helpful to your audience just to hear a little bit about what uh, progress has been made. But certainly we're, we're constantly battling stigma, and that's one of the hugest things that we have. To, and especially our young people, they get it, a lot of them, they understand. But even then, they have difficulty sharing with other people. And so the more they can talk about what's going on with them, mental health um condition or concern that they have even with a family member it's going to it's going to help them in terms of their education Um, that we do have a program ending the silence that uh, we are going to be offering across the state we're offering it now uh, in this in this particular part of the state but one of the things that we do in there is really teach uh, our students about what is a mental health condition Mm because the more informed they are, the, the uh, better opportunity we have to really battle the stigma mm.
0: and how what do you do to help people in terms of uh, family members and uh, how, what do you find as your organization is dealing uh doing outreach sure. and education, but also uh helping families um, are are people less isolated than they were because it seems to me that a lot of times people who are uh, f- with family who have a mental illness they, they themselves get very isolated mm-hmm. because yeah. it's a, it's hard to understand why your loved one <laughs> won't do the things that would make their life better.
5: Exactly. And you know, the, I get calls from actually all over the country, people calling in and saying, I have a loved one living in South Dakota, mm-hmm. or, you know, people from, from this very community calling. In. And the family members, uh, many of them that call us, uh, we're the first phone call. You know, they're they're just in that place of I don't know what to do, I don't understand, I don't I don't know what this is, and nobody else knows how to help me. Um, you know, where do I go? So a lot of times, the first thing is just to help people know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've walked in those shoes, we've experienced these things, these feelings. It's normal to be feeling frustrated and frightened. These are traumatic events um traumatic illnesses sometimes but we can connect you with some resources in your community so wherever you are in south dakota we will try to connect you with some people that can help and and so that's very comforting for people. First of all, to know that they're not the only ones dealing mm-hmm. with it, and second of all, that they're, you know, they can at least reach out and start asking those questions, and and to know the right questions to ask. Um, and it's just a process. You you have to just like with anything else or any other um, medical illness, you you have to start from the beginning, educate yourself, and work your way through that process of who do I ask for help?
0: Do you find that parents especially suffer? Uh, to some degree with uh, guilt. They blame themselves. They produced a child that has a mental illness, there must be something wrong with my genes, right?
5: Well, there's that, but also society has has over the years really blamed parents, um, and you know that it's something wrong with you, as mm-hmm. you know, in your your home and, and you know how you raised your children, um, and and because we didn't know very much about mental illness in children thirty years ago, twenty years ago, um, that that knowledge has really exploded and has helped take some of that burden of guilt away from parents. But we still carry it. We still think, you know, okay, well this must be genetic, or or mm-hmm. I said, maybe I'm still not handling things right, because you know, I mean, no child comes with a with an instruction manual, but right. there if there was one, there probably wouldn't be a chapter on, you know, what to do if your child suddenly starts to having you know mental health symptoms that are very confusing to you. Um, that it, it knocks knocks people off their feet, yeah, and they they have to start from scratch and they do have to get past that, that self-blame, that guilt feeling. Yeah. And, um, biology so is not help. that simple. It's not. And, 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 actually the research is, is showing even more now that, um, yeah, people have, may have a genetic disposition to, to some mental health condition, but it's not always expressed. So sometimes it's environment. Sometimes it's, you know, what happens to that child during their childhood. And, um, you know, so you can have Kids in the same family with the same genetic profile, but they—they, mm-hmm. um, they, it works out a little different. Right, and
0: with children, particularly, they can't necessarily tell you. Right what, what they're feeling. Right. Because they don't understand it either.
5: Yeah. And they don't always know that what they're feeling is abnormal. No, that's normal to them. Yeah. I can think of one, one young man who said, um, you know, he was, you know, young, young boy. And he said, well, I thought everybody heard voices inside their head. Mm -hmm. He, He just thought that was a normal situation. Um, no, it wasn't. And as soon as he talked about that, then his parents were able to get him some some help and that was an extreme situation but he really thought that was normal
0: yeah we're here with wendy gibank who is executive director of nami south dakota and Marilyn charging who's education and outreach coordinator for nami and we're going to come right back and chat more about their upcoming annual conference in watertown september 27th and 28th and we will uh, talk a little bit about access to mental health services in the state of south dakota this is the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo 447 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Maybe I won't feel so and we're here with Wendy Giebink, the Executive Director of NAMI South Dakota. That's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And we also have Marilyn Charging, who is the Education and Outreach Coordinator for NAMI in South Dakota. Uh, we've been talking about uh, your conference coming up, and uh, uh, which is September 27th, 28th, in Watertown uh we should tell people if they have any questions uh, if you have a loved one who is suffering if you have questions if you are 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 suffering with a mental illness and you want help uh uh Wendy what do you do now, how do you get a hold of Nami
5: Nami is really easy to get a hold of we have a Facebook page you can message us through that it's Nami Sodak on Facebook, we have a website. It's all spelled out, Dakota.org all lowercase. Um, you can email me at namisd at midconetwork.com, or you can call us at 605-271-1871. Somebody would be happy to answer your questions, point you in the right direction, connect you with resources all across the state.
0: And that's what you really do, is help people find the help they need. Exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about help for people. Uh my uh position my assumption my assessment is that South Dakota doesn't do a very good job of providing mental health services to people who need it. Am I wrong about that?
5: That's a complicated question and if you look at historically you know most states have lagged behind and not done a very good job. Our entire country has not done a very good job. Um, And we've been playing catch up for a long time. And South Dakota is no different than any other state in that regard. Um, South Dakota has, has come a long way in the last 10 years, even five years, as far as our, our support and our understanding of and our support for, um, you know, putting some money into mental health programs and, and getting some, getting people trained. Um, I'll give you an example, our state penitentiary system um, recently in the last year, eighteen months I, I'm not sure exactly ex- how long, but um, they put a lot of effort into training um, all of their staff in mental health first aid and their their whole mental health staff in in a very um cutting edge type of therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. So when I when I look at something like that, I think that is an incredibly hopeful sign that um our folks that are incarcerated in you know um in the state are getting some some much better mental health care than they have in the past. So that's just one example.
0: And I want to talk about um the the triage at the local level here in a minute, but I want to ask oh, Marilyn sure. it it's a big place. It's a lot of open space. And it doesn't, um, at some measure, you can't be everywhere every right, day. Right. Uh right. As, as education and outreach coordinator, you must be very frustrated at times trying to get people connected with services out in the rural area. How difficult is it to, for people who live out there to sure. get the service they need, even a basic sure. sort of counseling or what have you?
4: Sure. Sure. Um, Yeah, of course, you know, frustration is there, but we also rely heavily on our volunteers. We have our nine affiliates out there throughout the state of South Dakota. Um, We make sure we have people who really understand um, the mission of NAMI South Dakota, and we, we try to educate our leaders so that they can deliver some of the courses and the classes and the presentations in their own communities. So I'm out there leading that work training people, uh, setting up trainings so that they're closer to their community rather than it having everybody always travel to Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. We take the trainings out to Rapid City. We take them to Watertown. We take them to Pierre, wherever they would need them. Um, and the key is our volunteers, and we are a volunteer-led organization, and that's really um, the heart of and soul of NAMI South Dakota because... Without our volunteers, a lot of this work couldn't get done. Um, We at the state level don't always know every resource they have in the community, so if there is a gap um, there, we're trying to help people determine what that is and what their needs are, and we've been able to do a number of listening posts throughout the state of South Dakota at the community level, so we've got a pretty good understanding of what's going on out there in terms of what they need, how we can help fill the gap, and of course, we will uh, figure out what resources we could we can bring to the table to assist. the
0: The reality, though, too, is that um, there's not so there's you know the spectrum of mental illnesses. Um, a lot of there's not a lot of treatment facilities out there, um, and uh, you know, oftentimes, Avera Behavioral Health is full. The Human Services Center, which treats the most severe cases, is full. Um, and people, unfortunately, end up in jail because they have uh, they intersect with law enforcement at some point and things get out of hand. Uh, a high proportion of our inmates, at, at least in Minnehaha County Jail, have, are suffering from one mental illness or another. Um, there is an effort underway to try and keep those folks out of jail. Uh w- what do you think about that, yeah. Wendy? I mean, how, yeah. how are we able how are we going to be able to implement this sort of program?
5: And so, you know, and that is you know certainly a concern. And you mentioned uh, you know a number of concerns. And when we when you talk about um, maybe lack of access, one one thing that's important to know is that a lot of people are getting mental health care from their own family physician. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are not going to a specialist or mm-hmm. to a psychiatrist. And that has changed. Yeah, and it's but it's because we we don't we know we don't have enough. Um, folks that have gone through that specialized training that are locating in South Dakota, um, but but you know that's getting better. And then with with the advent of telehealth, we've got some some people that Skype with a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and and so that has made a difference too. So. You know that that when you talked about the spectrum, most people are not intersecting with law enforcement, but the the ones that do are typically the maybe the ones that are untreated or mm-hmm. have gone off medications or gone off treatment, or maybe they have a co-occurring substance disorder right. or something like that. And so when they you know when they come in contact with the law enforcement, um, it it can get really complicated. And so that's why we really are in support of those preventative measures, um, the um, mobile cr- health mobile crisis teams. Mm-hmm the uh, crisis intervention team programs that um, the trainings for law enforcement officers so they can de-escalate yeah uh, uh, there's
0: so much to talk about and we didn't get we didn't get to touch on a lot of it uh, uh, but if you need help from Nami uh, they've got family to family programs support groups for families uh, they've got uh, the basics there's a connection for uh, people living with uh, there's just a lot of programs there's something for everybody you're not alone there's hope right Get a hold of NAMI. We'll put the information on our Twitter feed, but uh, if you just, you'll find them. And uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness, South Dakota. Wendy Giebink and Marilyn Charging, thank you both for being here today. I really appreciate it.
5: Thanks so much. Thank you.
0: Coming up after the break, we'll tell you what's coming up tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up tomorrow, Libby Screen of ACLU will be here. Always enjoy the conversation with Libby and the smart Cyclist. Join us here on Information 1000 KSOO.